this is just off the cuff. Let me just say this, a couple of things off the cuff here before I start. And that is today is, is the uh, day of atonement for Israel. Today is the day of atonement. Uh, the day of atonement is one of the famous, well, very important uh, feast days of, of Israel. The day of atonement was the day that the children of Israel would offer a sacrifice unto the Lord and then they would have a scapegoat and they'd run the scapegoat out in the wilderness and never let it come back into the camp. And it represented all their sins that they were driving out of their lives. And then the high priest would offer a sacrifice for himself, offer it for the people. Then he'd take a sacrifice and the blood from the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies. The only time in the year it happened that they would go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was behind the last veil. And there he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and then he'd go back outside. And the Shekinah glory of God would come down out of the air and the cloud and it would, it would be like a cloud and it would lick the blood up off of that mercy seat. It literally happened every year. It was called the Day of Atonement. And it would represent, this is the day that, that the Jews had, they have no temple of course today and there is no sacrifice. They don't need a sacrifice, Jesus is the sacrifice, praise the Lord. And that's a Bible study within itself, and I won't go any further with it. First, their first of the year was the, this past Friday night. It starts at sundown. Sundown this last Friday, past Friday, was the beginning of their new year. So it's very interesting. Jewish history is a very interesting thing to study. But I won't get into what we want to talk about here today. And uh, <clears throat> I... Uh, I'm going to pass this along for what it's worth. How many of you would like to know who's going to be the next president? Do you want to know? <laughs> you say, uh-oh, he's treading on dangerous ground now. I won't give you four scriptures. You ready for it? Yes. All right, here we go. Look at Psalms 75, 6, and 7. Psalms 75, 6, and 7. Praise God. When us, Jesus was tempted of the devil. He fasted 40 days and was praying and he was tempted of the devil. The devil said to him, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's what he offered Jesus. The devil lied. Remember that, the devil lied. He doesn't have the authority to do that. He always lies. Anytime the devil ever talks to your heart, he's lying, folks. Let me look at, look at this verse of scripture. Many of you know it. 75, 6, and 7, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, he setteth up another. See that? God is the one who puts on the throne who they are. You say, well, Brother Myers, that's just a little scripture. Now, let me give you another one. Uh, look over in the book of Daniel chapter 4. Daniel 4. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is Daniel 417. 4.17. This this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdoms of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basis even. Basis doesn't say even, but basis of men. 
Down in verse 25, it says the very same thing, the very end of that long verse. Till thou knowest that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Verse 32, at the end of that verse. Until thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And it's repeated also over in chapter 5 of Daniel in the end of verse 21. Till he knew, talking about Nebuchadnezzar now, till he knew that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. So whoever becomes president of the United States, God had his hand in it. Uh, you don't know this, and I won't tell you because it's probably a very, I don't know how well known it is, but it's a very secret thing. There was something that happened in a, in, a, in a presidential election in America a few several years ago. I won't say when it was or anything about it. Several years ago, that switched the entire election. And somebody who was elected president was not the one who was, had actually been elected president. I won't go any further on that. But I know you can ask your pastor about it. He knows a lot about it. And this is all coming from inside information, not, not just hearsay or off the internet. It's very interesting. And when I heard that, I said, yes, that scripture's right. The one little quirky thing, God can make things happen the way he does. So let me just say this, folks. Everybody vote according however you want to. But when it's all over with, it's going to be the way God intended. And if the wrong person gets in office, whoever you think is the wrong person, if the wrong person gets in office... I'm just trying to tell you here that it's all part of his end time. Amen. And I want to talk to you about the end time today. God's coming is very close. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking politics here. I'm just talking scripture to you here. God's in control more than we'll ever realize. And uh, I think it's time for us to really get close to the Lord. I have an article here out of the Kippins Report. As you know, it comes out of Washington, D.C. And... Uh, it says this, there's one line that says this. It says, also, don't forget the possibility of a second large wave of infections later this year. Now, this came out in the spring of the year. And uh, it said uh, later this year, a bad one could put the thawing global economy back into deep freeze. Now, th this is not the Bible. You don't understand. This is their opinion but they know a lot of things going on, not only in America, but in the world. I'm just trying to say here today, folks, that the world is headed for a big mess. Is there a roar or can you hear me all right? All right, okay. The world is headed for a big mess and you and I are the people of God and I want you to turn with me to Psalms uh, 75, I'm sorry, to... Uh, I want you to turn to Exodus 33, 17. Exodus, Exodus 33 and verse 21. Let's look at 21. And I want to read a scripture to you here. And God has put this on my heart to teach here this morning to this class. Because I feel like that in this class, in this class here today, there are some people that God wants to use in a very special way. Now listen to what this verse says. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me 
and thou shalt stand upon a rock. He's talking to Moses here. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. And I want to tell you here today that there is a place by the Lord that we can draw nigh unto, that God would have us to draw nigh unto him and be there in that place. I'm talking about a spiritual place in God. And if we could draw nigh unto that place in the Lord and be close to God, I'm telling you, God, I think is two things are happening. The world's going to get crazier because, folks, America's in trouble. America is in trouble. The world's in trouble. Wholesale sin. Sin is just, it's, it's like it's nothing. It's almost like in your face to God. And, event, and God is bringing it down to the end where he's going to deal with all of that. But at the same time, there's going to be a revival that God is going to move in these last days in a very special way, in a different way. And I don't know how he's going to do it. It may may not be the type, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother Jenkins, you've been a man of prayer. And I've always appreciated you for that. A great prayer leader. Many of you are like that. Many of you, you're a praying people. And I want you to know that if there's ever been a time when God wants us to get close to him, now is the time that he wants us to do it. It's not tomorrow, it's not later on, but it's now that he wants us to draw very close to him that we might know him in a very special way. Praise the Lord. Uh, look in that uh, 17th verse of that same chapter of Exodus, Exodus, Exodus 33, 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Did you see that? I know thee by name. He said to Moses, I know you. I know you very well. We are like friends. I know you by name. Praise the Lord. And there is a place by God that any one of us can draw nigh unto him. All of us can draw close to him, to the place where, and I know he knows us by name, but I'm talking about an intimacy between us and God and God and us that will give us some kind of direction or leadership. God gives us leadership that we might be able to do a work for God in these last days that may require a different way than what's been done in the past. I think, I really believe that a lot of soul saving is going to be done through the church out there, you know. It may not be a big revival and people coming from all over. Uh, the norm may be changing forever, you know, until it's, it's a different norm. And God wants to use the church and he has a plan and a way. And if God is head of everything and he is head of everything, that he is going to use the church in a very special way. And we need to draw close to God to understand and know that. Praise God. Let me, uh, let me have you go to Matthew 16 for just a moment. Matthew 16 and uh, 15. This is a familiar text, but I want to use it here in my uh, little talk here this morning. 1615. And the Lord had just asked uh, these disciples whom do men say that I am some said some say you're Elias John the Baptist you're this one or that one and so forth and verse 15 now the Lord zeroes in on his disciples with this question 
He asked them, who do others say that I am? They said, oh, you think, they think you're John the Baptist. Some of them, you know, come back to life. Some of them think you are Elijah. Somebody think you, you're Jeremiah, so one of the prophets. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. So therefore, Jesus, he wept and prayed a lot. And, and because of that, he said, maybe he's the weeping prophet. Anyhow, verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? I want to know who you say that I am. In verse 16, now Simon speaks right up. <clears throat> Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Excuse me. <clears throat> now, the word Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. So what he was saying, Thou art the Messiah, the Son of the living God. They, all the Jews knew that the Messiah was going to be God manifest in flesh, God with us. They knew that. It's all in the scriptures. Unto us the child is born, unto us the son is given. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. A son, a child, the Mighty God. They knew that. So they said, thou art the Christ. And the uh, son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter. Now notice here that he repeats that back to Peter. Now the Catholic Church has picked up on this and said, he says unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. So they said that the Lord was saying to Peter, upon Peter, I'm going to build my church. The church is not built upon the apostle Peter. It's not. And the reason they said that is because they, want, they wanted the whole world to know that the church built on the Pope in Rome. They said Peter was the first pope. Actually, Peter, Peter never was the first pope. Peter, I can show you more scriptures than one, two or three of them, where it states that Peter was the, was the apostle to the, to the Jews. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, so if it is going to be anybody, it would be Paul. It would be the apostle Paul. But it wasn't Peter for sure. But he says here, he says in there, but I said, there are Peter, and I, and, uh, I said unto thee, whom say me? Jesus said unto me, oh, let me get down to verse 18, I'm sorry. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Jesus is talking about himself as the rock. We all know that. He, he's the rock. But there's more to it than that. Because when he says, I, whom, do, whom do ye say that I am? Thou art the Christ. I say unto thee, thou art Peter. There's a relationship that Jesus is bringing out here. Notice this, folks, very closely. Jesus, I'm going a little bit deeper here than just saying Jesus is the solid rock. And upon that, the church is built. And it's true. But it's also built upon the relationship we have with Jesus. The rock is also a relationship. In other words, we get saved and we come into the church. We get baptized and we repent, get baptized in Jesus' name. We're filled with his spirit. We have his spirit in us, and then we quit, right? Don't want to do nothing else. You all saved, ready to go, got your ticket to heaven. Is that it? No. It's only the beginning, only the beginning. The first thing we have to start doing is building a relationship with Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, my son and I were talking and discussing about what we need to teach new converts that come into the church. And my thoughts had always been up to that point, had always been, Let's teach them 
doctrine, you know, you know, the doctrines of the, the Bible. No, 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 I said this. This time I said, no, no. Let's teach them to establish a relationship with Jesus. And folks, that's only done through prayer. And I can't tell you how to do it, but you, you, you can enter into that. There's a place by the Lord. Praise the Lord. And just like he said to Moses, I know your name. He was saying here to Peter, I know your name. There's a relationship we have with each other. And upon this rock of this relationship, I know who you are and you know who I am. This church will be built upon a solid rock, folks, and we can establish an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ further and further out and furthermore than what just denominational Christianity is or more than even what we in the Pentecostal movement have if we can develop, build and establish a very close relationship with the Lord, it will please him well. Praise the Lord, it will please him well. Uh, let, me, uh, let me show you another verse of scripture here. Uh, this is one over in Luke. This is Luke 10 and 38. Luke 10, 38. This is concerning Jesus and his disciples. Verse 38 says, now it came to pass, I'm in Luke 10, 38. It came to pass that as they went, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And uh, verse 39 and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. If you got a, your pen, underline that in your Bible, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her or instruct her. Therefore, that she helped me. I'm trying to fix a meal. I'm trying to set the table. I'm trying to do a little domestic work here so that we got, we got company here, you and the disciple, and Mary needs to be helping me. And we would think that Jesus would say, Mary, go help Martha, your sister. There's work to be done. Get, get busy. That's not what he said. Look what he said here. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I want to just tell you this today here, that serving the Lord and walking with God and getting close to God is not an easy thing sometimes. We have situations in our lives, we got circumstances in our lives that just that are there but we have to fight to build a relationship with jesus christ you've got to push to that and he said mary have chosen the good part i want to encourage everybody here and everybody that's watching me on the internet you choose that good part learn to become a praying person because in these last days i believe it's going to be required of us more than any any other time and anything else that we be a praying, God-fearing, God-seeking individual, that we can be in touch with the Lord, that God can use us in a very special way. 
If you become a prayer warrior, if anyone here becomes a prayer warrior, folks, your place in the kingdom of God is invaluable, invaluable. I know we see people up here, you know, standing in the pulpit. We see people up here, you know, singing. We see people playing the music instruments and, and leading choirs. And that's all important position. Even our ushers and our, every, I can't even begin to name everybody in the church that has an office or does a work and they're all very important. But nothing beats that personal, close prayer life you have. And I sincerely believe with all of my heart, if ever there's been a time that God is going to need us to be there, it's now. It's now. I believe that God has put this on my heart to talk to you about this today. I had something else altogether different and God has placed this on my heart to talk to you about the need of this hour and this day and this time that we have that we draw close to God. Praise the Lord in prayer, consecration, build a devotion with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Read your Bible faithfully. And I believe that God will help us through a lot of things and he will use you in these last days for all these things. But he said, Mary has chosen the better part. You don't think Martha's job wasn't important? Sure it was. You don't think your job at home is important? We got all kind of obligations. We got all kind of things out there, you know. But the Lord, praise the Lord, wants to use us in a very special way. Praise the Lord. Look at Matthew 13. I'm jumping ahead. I'll come back to some other things in a minute. But look at Matthew 13 for a moment. I want to show you something. <clears throat> Matthew 13, 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sore went forth to sow. Now, I'm not going to read all this. <coughs> Excuse me. 13.3, sower went forth to sow. Jesus gave a parable. Some fell by the wayside, some the stony places, some thorns, and some on good ground. This is all down through verse 8. And then Jesus gives an explanation of all of this. And uh, then he goes on to say that uh, the, the seed that fell by the wayside is like people who hear the gospel. And, the, and he said the word, the seed is like the word of God. And the heart is like, the, the, the ground is like the heart of men and women. And however that word is received is what kind of ground that that word will grow and become very fruitful on. So he talks about it like it's being us. We can, we ourselves are like that ground. So he said the wayside is like people hear the gospel and they said, ah, it's not for me. And they're out, out the door. They go, that's it. And then he says, there's some that falls about on stony ground. It's like people who hear the gospel, they get saved, they live for God for a short time and then they're out of here. They're gone. They go their own merry way. Okay, he talks about that. And then he talk, talks about the thorns. And then he talks about the good ground. Now look at verse 22. I'm reading here from Matthew 13, 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. He doesn't backslide. He doesn't leave. He doesn't throw his hands up and walks away from God. He just becomes unfruitful. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Now, Mark and Luke both also give the same uh, incident in their, in their writings. And in Mark's writings, he says not only deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world, but he talks about the lusts of things. Luke says that. Mark says that rather. Luke says also the pleasures of life. So the lusts of things, the pleasures of life, the deceitfulness of riches, 
and the and uh, and the and the and the cares of this world, they choke out the word, so that we are not fruitful. And this is where we can get. This can happen to any one of us, until we are so hamstrung with everything going on around us, until we cannot do and be what God wants us to do and what He wants us to be. But God wants to do something with his people. He wants to do something in our lives, folks. And God wants to do it. Amen. And don't think for a moment that the devil isn't going to try to keep you from getting close to God. He'll try to keep you busy with all of those cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches. He'll try to snow you under with all that kind of stuff. He'll make you so busy you don't have time to pray. How many of you have been there? I won't, don't show your hand. How many of you, though, have been there? You just don't have time to pray. I know. You did it there. Because that's the way things load up because of the cares of this life and all the problems and the things we have in our lives. And the Bible has already got it covered here. We become like the thorns. We're like a plant that's trying to grow. It's got, it's got depth of earth. It's not stony ground. It's going to grow. It's in the church. But the thorns keep choking it out and it becomes unfruitful. And God wants us, praise the Lord, to be what the next one is. And that's verse 23. And he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. <clears throat> and this is what God wants us to become, praise the Lord, that we might grow here. I'm not talking about growing the church. I'm talking about getting close to God, that God would use you however he might use you and can use you. Praise the Lord. And I think a lot of this end time revival is going to be by the church themselves, people in the church that's gotten close to God. That's God lays on their heart who to talk to. He deals with you and you can pray and say, God, talk to me and lay on my heart who I need to talk to today. Who am I, who should I approach today? And, uh, and Lord, help me to save someone or bring them to you. And so we get into this mode and this spirit, but we can't do it if we're all hamstrung with all the cares and trials and tests of this world. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's a scripture over in, uh, I think it's Exodus chapter 5, uh, where Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said, the Lord has sent me to tell you to let my people go. Let my people go. That they may go into the wilderness and worship him. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, ha, huh, who is the Lord that I should do whatever he wants me to do? You coming in here telling me what to do. These people are our slaves and they do what we do. We crack the whip and they're going to do exactly what we say. Who are you coming in here telling us that you're going to let those people to go? And then he called his own workers together, his own uh, leaders. And he said, look, these Jews out here have got too much time on their hand. They're all thinking about going, leaving here, going out in the wilderness and worshiping. They got too much time. I want you to load them up. They're having to make brick and lay brick. I want you to have them making their brick and laying their brick. They got to lay the same number of stones and brick to build the pyramids. Golden Mier told the, the, the prime minister of, of Egypt one time, and when he was bragging about the pyramids, she said, yeah, I know we built those for you. So we built them. <laughs> we Jews built them. Well, anyhow, they had to do the same amount of stones and bricks or whatever, they, however they made them. 
they had to make them and they also had to make the bricks and then they had to lay the bricks, the same number that they laid every day so that their work was double on them. And then the people started crying to Moses, Moses, we're working harder than we've ever worked for. Now, I'm just trying to tell you that and you don't think God didn't have something better for the children of Israel? But see, Pharaoh was trying to lay on them more than they could handle so they wouldn't have time to even think about worship. No time for prayer. No time for, for being alone with God. And that's what Satan will do with every one of us. And you, you go ahead. You start, you, you start praying and everything. You say, oh, I don't want to fight that battle, Brother Myers. Maybe you don't. Be unfruitful. But I'm telling you, if you're willing, there's a place by the Lord that God wants us to find in him that he'll bless us and help us and lead us and direct us and guide us and use us for his glory and for his kingdom. And uh, I believe with all my heart that God is really wanting to raise up his church in a very special way. And if you happen to be one of the ones that finds yourself sometime too much uh, as a on thorny ground, just say, no, I want to become a good ground Christian for the Lord. I want to do that and I want to be that way. Uh, I want to show you something here. I'm going over to the book of Samuel here, 1 Samuel 7, chapter 16. This is about David. I was very recently very moved by reading about him. And uh, it says here in verse 16, that chapter 16, that the Lord told Samuel, Samuel, I'm through working with Saul. Saul has rebelled against me and he's not obeying my words and he's doing his own thing. And uh, I'm going to have you anoint somebody else to be the next king of Israel. And Samuel said, this is a little bit, you know, scary, Lord, because Saul, if he found out that I was doing something like that, he'd probably be after my life. And the Lord says, no, I just I want you to go to the house of Jesse and down in Bethlehem. And I want you to uh, go there and offer a sacrifice. And the Bible says that when Samuel went there, all the elders were nervous. And they were, they were very nervous. What do you come here, Samuel, for? What's going on? Because they knew Samuel was a prophet that got instructions from God. He was, a, he was the high priest. He was also the prophet. Not the high priest originally, but he was appointed by the Lord to be for a time. And they, they worried about that. He said, I've come to offer a sacrifice. I'm going to Jesse's house to offer a sacrifice. And he did. And so then when he got there, he said to Jesse, he said, I want to anoint one of your sons. And they brought to him the oldest one. He's tall, big, strong, you know, and all that. And uh, I won't go into all the detail. Verse 6 is that it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord anointeth it before him. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord looketh not as man seeth for God. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. And then down in verse 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. All seven, seven sons he had. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. Huh? What? This is the best I got, Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. 
He's the shepherd boy. He's, he's, he's not the one you're wanting. He's not going to, you know, he's a, nothing. he's a nobody. He's a nothing. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with all of a beautiful countenance and good to look to. And the Lord said, rise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, I'm telling you all of that because what did David have and where did he get it? And how did he get it? What did, what did God see in him? Later, God would say to him, he's a man after mine own heart. David is a man after my own heart. Look at verse 19 in that same chapter for Samuel. Wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, send me David, thy son, which is with the sheep. This is Saul now, and he, the spirits left him, and he's in a bad mood all the time, and he needs somebody to make him happy. And he knew that David played the harp. And they said, you know that David is out there, out there in the, the pasture lands and by himself and hangs out with the sheep all the time and just takes care of the sheep. He's a nobody, just a shepherd. You know the one. In verse 21, and David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. David became Saul's armor bearer for a while. Over there. And then in verse seven, chapter 17 is where he kills Goliath. He goes there. I'm going to get into that story. Most of you know it very well and everything. But I'm just saying here that in verse 20 of chapter 17, David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. I want you to notice how much it talks about him being with the sheep. They brought him out from the sheep anointed with oil. He came to be, a, a, you know, a harp player to, to Saul when Saul's disposition changed and went bad, trying to give him a good spirit and make him feel better and all that kind of stuff. And David had left the sheep. And here again, now I'm reading over here in verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail thee because of him thy servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Talking about Goliath. And verse 34, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Just like I slowed both of them, I'll also kill this Philistine. Now, why am I telling you all of that? Because David learned something about being with the sheep. Let me show you what he learned. I want you to turn over to 23rd Psalm, 23rd Psalm of, uh, 23rd chapter, 23rd chapter of Psalm. This is one of the most, this is probably the most famous Psalm in the entire Bible. And it starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. What David learned taking care of those sheep was the way he was to the sheep is the way God was to him. And he said, my Lord, this is what we are to God. We are like his sheep. And he is like a shepherd to us. David was a good shepherd. And he loved the sheep. And he took care of them. He had a staff. He had a staff. And he also, you know, had a, he had a thing he put in his belt. And uh, he carried that staff where he could reach out with a hook on it. And he'd reach over and pull those, you know. And pull those sheep back if they strayed too far. He was always mindful of them. And he had this rod he kept in his rod, thy rod and thy staff, 
they comfort me. They rod in thy staff, they comfort me. Look at that 23rd verse. The Lord is my shepherd. Now he's talking about, I'm telling you how this thing all came about with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you've got a pen, underline that. I shall not want because he's your shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes things are well. The Lord has to just make me be happy where I am. Make me be happy in the situation I'm in by giving me assurance everything's going to be all right. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Didn't say thorns, green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Still water because sheep can fall into rushing waters because of the heavy wool, they can float away and they can drown. And so sheep can't get around fast moving waters. And a shepherd knows that. So he leads them by still waters where the waters are still. He knows that. Verse three, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he goes on and talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley, shall I will fear no evil. For thy, for thy rod thy rod, and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod was a stick that he carried in his, down in his pouch. Like that's about that long. It wasn't a little old broom handle size. It was more like a shovel handle size. They carried. That, was his, that was his rod. Then he had a staff, the one with the hook. The hook was the reason that he could reach way over there, that sheep that's on the outside, and pull him in a little bit. You get too close to the edge, you know. How many times has he done that with us? Anybody, don't raise your hand. Reach over there and pull us back from the edge. And David said, this is the way God, God is my shepherd. He's pulled me back a few times. He's helped me through a few things. And that rod, I, uh, I brought a rod with me. This is, came from Africa. This is uh, what it looks like. I'll get a... Oh, I hit the menu button. I'm sorry. I want to hit the focus button. There we go. Is that the focus? Automatic focus. Okay. Anyhow, this is a piece of wood that they have in Africa. It's very hard, very strong. It's an amazing piece of wood in the sense that it's black, but it also has white in it, in it too. It's got white streaks. I have a lion on my desk at home. It's made out of the same wood. Part of the lion is black, part of it is white because man did not put this together. God put all that together. This got to be telling us something, folks. Black and white, you know, okay. We're together, praise the Lord. We're one. Everybody say we're one. Praise God. But anyhow, this, this thing here, this rod, this got a, a club. It looks like it's been cut out by man's hand, but it's not. This is natural. It's a t natural tree thing grows out and grows up and those those uh maasai natives over there cut these out of trees and they they polish them up a little bit and they become their club and they fight anything with that for the cows they're the cow people they look after their they got herds of cattle they go out into the boonies and there's lions and not tigers but there's lions and other animals that will attack those cows and they carry those clubs and they will literally Go at go after a line with that thing. If you get hit in the head with that thing, it's got look at look at that point. Look at that thing. See that thing on the end? And they'll go after a they'll, I mean they they all carry that. They all have that in them. 
and I was over there and, and uh, they were selling some of it. And I told them, this young teenage boy, I said, I want what you've got. Because he had a nice one. This was this one here. I said, I don't want yours. I said, how much you want? He said, $5. I gave him a $5 bill. He gave me that just as our Jeep was driving away. He ran and handed me the club. He had $5 in his hand. And he could have just kept the club and kept the $5 bill. Because I'd already given the $5 bill. And our Jeep started pulling away, and I was in the back of the Jeep. But he didn't. He ran after the Jeep and handed me the club. He wanted me to have it. I tell you that so that you understand here, this was like their rod. And just like, and I brought that just as an illustration here today, but just as uh, they have it over there today and they fight off animals with just that club, they don't have guns and all that kind of stuff. They don't have none of that. Uh, this is what a shepherd had. And David learned that being a, a sheep and the shepherd to, to Jesus was like being, he is our shepherd, praise the Lord. And all through David's life, my, I could just tell you all kind of things about his life. All through David's life, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Praise the Lord. And taking care of the sheep, he said, this is what I am. I'm a sheep. I didn't read the scripture over here. I will. I'll read it because I think that it's got to, we got to tie it together. Over here, in, uh, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm through now because I know my time's gone. Over here in John, look at this, John 10, 11. Jesus saying this, 10, 11 of John, St. John. I am the good shepherd. The good sheep giveth his life for the sheep. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. They know who I am. I know who they are. You get, you get the picture here? Just like David said that, 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 that the Lord is my shepherd, Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd. And just like he knew David, God knew David back then, he knows us today. Verse uh, 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice. That's us. We were not of that group, that first group, but we we're of this latter group, end time. And they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Hallelujah. And I'm just trying to say here today, folks, just like David learned it and God said, he's a man after my own heart. Praise the Lord. He's the one I'm choosing to be king over Israel because he understands me. Folks, I'm just trying to tell you, God's not going to make you king over nobody. I know that. But I'm just trying to tell you here that he has a place for his people, a place for us. And if we will draw close to God, there is a place by me. And he said to Moses, I know you by name. He said, married, it shall not be departed from that. He knew David by name, man after my own heart. Let's stand and give God the praise and the glory. You've been a good audience here this morning. God